right, so welcome to the Owl Podcast. I am your host, Jerry, and I'm here as always with my other host, Jameson. Jameson, how are you? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. And today we have a special guest returning to the podcast. You might remember him from our very, very uh, controversial episode on race and intelligence. Ozzy, how are you? Hi. How you doing? <laughs> Noted uh, white supremacist. Yeah, <laughs> I got you. <laughs> Coming back from more to say his piece on the yeah, Jews. Just uh, <laughs> doing in my daily burn crossing and, you know, the standard day for me. Yeah. Uh, so last time we did an episode with Ozzy, we didn't really get to we didn't really dive too much into his politics, so I figured we can do kind of a little intro on Ozzy, because I'm sure that, you know, if you've listened to the podcast, you kind of know me and Jameson pretty well. Um, so Ozzy, could you give us a two, three minute synopsis, kind of uh, where you are on the political spectrum, uh, kind of that quadrant where you stand, um, some people that influenced you in some books that might have influenced your thinking. Uh, just give us a about two, three minute synopsis on where you are on your politics and your outlook on life. Yeah. Um, so basically my position on politics right now is uh, radical centrism. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, there's some positions where um, you could say I'm a moderate. There's some positions. Um, I mean, you're, I'm your standard moderate. There's some positions I'm left on. There's some positions I'm right on. Uh, the current state of politics, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of dishonesty going on. I, I'm not one of those where it's equal on both sides. I do feel like the Republican Party in general and the conservative movement has moved extremely far right. And um, I do think currently they deserve way more blame than the the left does. But at the same time, I feel like that movement of the right to the far right and their embrace of, of Trump has caused the left to move increasingly further to the left on almost any given issue. And um, yeah, it's, call, it's caused our politics to be more, more, more polarized and, and just, you know, more contentious and, and, uh, and yeah, so basically I would say that right now I despise Trump but at the same time, a lot of the candidates that are currently being offered up by the Democratic Party, I feel like they're not—they're not really—they're not, really, not really being honest with the people in the terms of of the policies that that they want to enact and the the policies that that they that they advocate for. But at the same time, I would feel that you know almost any person is preferable to Trump at this point. And um, and yeah, in terms of politics right now, I feel like that's where I stand. As uh, I'm mostly, I mean, I, I don't want to use this phrase because it's been overused by so many people, but I would still consider myself a classical liberal in the sense that I believe in the Constitution and I fully support the the yeah the founding of the the U.S. American Constitution. And I think that that's something we should preserve fully and thoroughly. And um, and yeah, so I would just label myself as that, as as someone who was mostly libertarian in some sense, but at the same time, I do 
lean left on some topics and yeah, it would just have to be specific which which topic you're talking about for me to 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 further dive down that rabbit hole in each specific topic. So so yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. That's interesting. I wouldn't I wouldn't put the left as moving to the left because of Trump. I think the left moved to the left I, I think they were already headed in that direction. I think a lot of, I guess I, I see the world in the opposite view. I think that Trump was kind of a reaction to the extremism of the left. So that could be a point of contention. Um, that'd be probably another topic, probably for another podcast. Um, and then just finally, what are, who are some thinkers that heavily influenced you? Uh, what kind of book would you recommend to people or what book mostly influenced your life? Some thinkers that, influenced you in a book that you would say influenced you um well i went through a lot of phases when i was in high school i was super left i was anti anti bush i thought that basically bush um made up 9-11 you know the whole conspiracy nonsense i mean i was young and dumb but i was you know i was curious about politics and i was passionate about it and as i grew older i started falling more and more in love with science and um, that became a main area of interest. And the biggest influence, influencer, without a doubt, was Carl Sagan. And he made me fall in love with, with science and, and the universe. And as I grew older, I, I started falling in love with the, with the Four Horsemen. You know, just Richard Dawkins, Hitchens, Harris, and um, somewhat Dennett, but not as much as those, um, the first three. And when I was younger, I, I used to love Dawkins and, and Hitchens way more than I loved Harris. But um, but as I grew older, I started um, flocking towards Harris because obviously Hitchens died and, and Dawkins was never too politically motivated. He was more of a, of a scientific person. And, um, and yeah, and now I would say that, that probably the bl- biggest influence in my life, without a doubt, is uh, either Sam Harris, Christopher Hitchens, or uh, or Richard Dawkins, and um, and yeah, I guess you could qualify me as a new atheist, although I do think that term is is silly, but um, but yeah, I, I, I guess I guess I would have to go with those with those three without a doubt changed my life. Interesting. Well, yeah, I would put myself in the same camp. Uh, the last podcast we did, in case anybody's interested, kind of delves into atheism, and we had a, a pretty uh, strong advocate of Christianity. His name is Dustin, and he was really well versed in Christianity. So the other podcast we did was was uh, covered those topics, uh, which would be worth revisiting. Um, and then, you know, naturally transitioning into China after talking about that. <laughs> It's been in the news, so I'd kind of like to get your guys' opinion. Um, for anybody that hasn't heard, uh, the topic of today was going to be China, and then just kind of going from there. Um, the general manager of the, or sorry, yeah, the general manager of the Houston Rockets uh, you know, showed his support on Twitter for Hong Kong and the democratic movement that it's currently undergoing. Uh, there was, you know, basically China oppose that you know support shown by the houston general or houston rockets general manager and then james harden showed his support for china so jameson i'd kind of like to get 
your overarching thoughts before we delve too much into it. What do you think of that situation? Um, what do you think of of the NBA sort of getting political? Uh, do you think sports and politics should mix? And, and what do you think of the, the NBA's response? Um, <clears throat> so there's a lot to break down there. Uh, so when you say the whole situation, are you referring to the whole situation going on in China? Or are you referring to the situation specifically that's going on with like the NBA, um, who is it? Is it Mark Cuban that's the owner of the Houston Rockets? Is that who it is or no? Uh, no, that's the that's he's the owner. Mark Cuban's the owner of the Mavericks. This is that's the right, general the manager of the okay. of the Houston Rockets. He, I guess, a little a little context would help. Okay. Um, so okay, I guess. Like an well, if we're going to talk about, I think, China, first of all, we should probably talk a little bit about why it has a lot of controversy that's going on right now. Um, and just a little quick synapse of what that is, is back in June, China... Yours um, are, are you guys doing right there? Struggle busting? Yeah, sorry, Jerry. Yeah, Jerry was cutting off. Okay. Um, so while Go. Jerry's getting that fixed, I'll just kind of give a little synapse. So... China and Hong Kong are essentially under two country or two governments, uh, one country system right now. And Hong Kong is a very, very, you know, capitalist democratic society that um, is doing very, very well economically, 35th largest economy in the world, if I remember right. But anyway, the struggle started to become between the two countries back in June when um, there was a extradition bill that uh, China was essentially, China the mainland was trying to force upon Hong Kong and what would happen essentially is if anybody was convicted of a crime in Hong Kong they would then be extradited to mainland China to face any type of essentially trials or anything like that and China has a ridiculously high conviction rate of I want to say it's like 99% something stupid high and um, basically the way the people viewed this of Hong Kong is that China is essentially trying to eliminate that two systems, one country rule, and they're essentially trying to meddle into getting more and more involved in Hong Kong to so essentially have their government uh, essentially take over Hong Kong is the way a lot of the people have viewed it and that they're going to be losing their democracy and their rights and to protest and vote and things of that nature. So it's been going on for shoot like i said since june so four months now and just recently china also had its 70th i think it was 70th uh, communist birthday party if you will and uh, there's lots of big protests and things like that and it's just getting more and more intense over there in hong kong i mean tear gas is constantly starting to be thrown into these crowds mace getting maced people are getting shot there's people that are essentially doing riots uh that are being hired by mainland China to come in essentially looking like protesters, but then they cause riots and get people hurt and all sorts of different chaos just starts ensuing. So to bring it back around to what Jerry was saying with essentially the support coming from the NBA, I'm not necessarily a big fan of um, sports becoming political like a couple years ago, obviously, with the whole kneeling during the national anthem in the NFL, I wasn't a huge fan of that. I view it as more of along the lines of people are there for entertainment, they're not there for a political spectrum, and I don't think the two necessarily should be mixed. And I'm not opposed to 
professional athletes voicing their political opinions, I just don't think that doing it at a place of work is fine. But if they're taking to Twitter, if they're taking to outside the actual platform of being in the NBA, being in the NFL, whatever, to voice their own political opinions, I'm fine with that. And obviously I support you know, what Hong Kong's trying to do right now against mainland China and trying to keep their independence, being able to still have that two countries, one uh, nation rule, if you will. And I, I guess what were some of the other parts of your question there, Jerry? No, that was great. I mean, that was a great synopsis of what's going on in Hong Kong and China and the controversy and dispute that's happening between the two of them. Um, yeah, Ozzy, do you want to respond to what Jameson said? Um, yeah, I mean, just basically, it's just really ridiculous what's what's going on right now. That that so many people are capitulating to to such an obvious, horrible, autocratic, draconian government, and you see these these obvious these obvious attempts of of just pure money, like they're just so obviously motivated by their bottom line and literally that's the only reason you can come up with as to why the nba issued an uh, an apology towards china and why you see owners and and coaches like steve kerr the the coach of the of the golden state warriors today he came out with this just ridiculous statement saying basically he's not well read up on the on the subject and uh, he can't really comment on it. And when you talk about things like Black Lives Black Lives Matter, when they were all kneeling, uh, what you were talking about, Jameson, this guy came out in full support. You know, you have the right to protest, yada yada. And when it comes to things like this, like how how why you know I don't I don't feel like that's a good excuse. I don't I don't, I don't buy the fact that that oh I'm not well read read, read up on this. Therefore, I'm I'm not gonna. I'm not going to say anything about it. And then not only that, that wasn't even the worst of the statements. Um, it was this other this other manager, I, I can't name him right now, or this other coach, and he basically just gave the, the most ridiculous excuses possible, claiming that China is, 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 has this unity and, and basically that's why they're, they're – uh, oppressing the the Hong Kong people and all this BS crap, and it's just it's just so frustrating to see such an obvious, you know, dishonest display of of I don't know. I just I just it's just so infuriating that that we live in a world where such like we the fact that we even have to explain to people why the Chinese government is bad or why it's bad for them to hold the millions upon millions of people hostage in Hong Kong and not allow them to have their own rights and the right to choose who they want as their representative, the right. And it's just, it's just, it's really just sad. This, the state of things. And, um, and yeah, that's just basically my, my opinion on it. I don't know. I, I, I don't think we should. I don't think sports or sporting companies should ever be held to the same moral standards that the rest of us are. And one, I, I just think it's it's critical, like hypocritical of us to say 
that we should expect different of our of our leagues when these companies have notoriously promoted companies like Nike that are famous for its sweatshops and you know they're abusive humans and then now we're acting surprised that that they're you know not in support of human rights and are only looking out for their bottom dollar I, I think it's hypocritical of us to say that we are surprised I understand the outcry of it but you know companies don't have a responsibility to human rights they have a responsibility to their bottom line wait what what the companies have a responsibility to their bottom line you don't think yeah. companies should have to just speak out when there's clear violations of human rights okay but why haven't they spoken out when nike has obviously you know run sweatshops in vietnam and abuse humans why aren't we as outraged at that i mean we're, aren't you just what well, aren't you isn't that what about isn't like well okay yeah that's bad too but can we just stick to the fact that they're making extremely lame excuses as to why they're allowing or they're they're literally apologizing for an autocratic communist totalitarian basically regime and all for their bottom profit like all for their bottom line that's inexcusable and yeah, okay, Nike's not perfect, but if you want to talk about sweatshops in Vietnam, there's a, there's literally an argument to be had as towards free trade and just the overall fact that these. I mean, I don't even want to get into the whole sweatshop thing. I feel like that's a different topic, but Nike's building factories in Vietnam is not the same as the NBA issuing apologies toward an obviously seen and autocratic regime and not only that they're so blatantly obviously doing it all for their bottom line anybody who says otherwise is just either being dishonest or willfully dumb but i think this is the like the purest example of where i, I think this is like kind of the quintessential example of where capitalism fails like capitalism or at least modern societies have a responsibility to, I mean, I think what was the revenue from China? I think it was like $1.3 billion in revenue that the NBA rev, uh, generates from them. And then for China to threaten to cut that off, this is where, you know, NBA or other sporting companies you know, run into that conundrum. It's like, okay, well, what, who do I have a responsibility to the stakeholders or, you know, but what stakeholders, what stakeholder, and how do, I don't understand what this has to do with capitalism, especially given the fact that China's, a, I mean, they do have some capitalistic qualities to their economy, but they're mostly communist. And But this is, this is a classic example of that. It's, it doesn't have to do with China's economy. It has to do with your responsibility either to human rights, who do you support, or do you support basically your revenue stream like which yeah. would you rather have your would you rather have that added revenue from china or would you rather support human rights and support democratic movements and yeah Hong it's Kong? a matter of incentives and yeah it's just you're right about the fact that capitalism incentivizes you know immorality in some aspects in some aspects but um i just think this is such a clear violation of that line in the sand and anybody not speaking out about it is 
is just being immoral. I just I don't think there's I don't there's no justifying such a clear obvious violation of immor of morality. And um and yeah, we should I mean, you're right about, you know, capitalism and and you know what it incentivizes and but at the same time I, I just think there's so, there's certain instances in life where those lines become so I mean, there's some blurred lines overall into into you know what constitutes a, a, a you know morality or what makes something you know worthy enough to call out and you know should companies just focus more on their bottom line or their stakeholders those lines do get blurry but this instance is just such a clear black and white example of if you're not standing with the Hong Kong protesters if you're not standing with you know people marching for their basic human rights then then you're just you're just i don't know either evil ignorant or dumb so jameson what do you think do you think companies should have a responsibility to their stakeholders or do you think companies have a responsibility to take a moral position and say you know we stand with democratic movements that we're going to support you know universal basic rights or we're just committed to our stakeholders and whatever we're going to you know abstain from involving ourselves in any politics it's a double-edged sword <clears throat> um obviously you know you want them to take the moral stance of saying like um we're not going to support you know sweatshops we're not going to support you know putting stores or factories or whatever that in countries that have you know commit mass genocide blah 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 but the fact of the matter is is that they do and they know i think within a matter of weeks or months people are just going to forget about it like look at nike with the whole colin kaepernick thing they lost what was it like 15 20 dollars in one day as far as like what their stock was worth but if you go and look at it again now people have completely forgot about it it brings it back up to around like 80 or 90 dollars a share and at the end of the day i mean they don't really care because they know people have short-term memories so as far as what if i want them to do the right thing yeah absolutely i want them to do the right thing but at the end of the day they come down it comes down to the they know whatever stance they make people are still going to come and buy their products they're eventually going to make up for the losses that they made in the long run of things and they're they're behold they're not behold but they're definitely trying to do whatever it is for the bottom dollar to appease their stockholders and to essentially try and just increase profit and you can also look at it from the other factor is that is it you know they're trying to do things in order to keep people employed here in the United States as well. I mean, obviously Nike has probably several thousand employees here in the United States that if, you know, Nike stopped doing everything that they're doing right now, these people would lose their jobs. Um, factories would close down, stores would close down, things like that. So it's a very double-edged sword, but I think at the very end of the day, the bottom line is that they're just looking to essentially make profits and they know no matter, especially big companies, know no matter what, that they'll be okay and they can they can take a political stance for a little bit and then that'll be that but i don't know does that answer your question yeah it does i mean i, I think 
my honest opinion is that we are and this could tie into the technology thing that you wanted to bring up Jameson but my honest opinion is that we are missing a giant opportunity for capitalism or you know, corporations to move in the right direction we have such an awful history where our economics essentially take us in the wrong direction right we are kind of we're just kind of slaves I guess to use the wrong term we're just kind of slaves to our economic moment and there's been so few times where corporations can make a decision and take a real moral stance take slavery for example there's people that you openly objected to slavery but because of their economic situation essentially kept slaves right so I think that you know capitalism has kind of a dirty history where we just we choose the, the the more profitable outcome instead of taking the the moral stance so I think this is just another example of that where you know companies could make a, a clear moral stance and say this is where we draw a sand in the line and say you know we won't tolerate and and honestly Hong Kong is not the worst of it China's doing worse things there are they literally have Uyghur Muslims in concentration camps and there's an actual genocide of Uyghur Muslims happening right now right there's the re-edification of of people where they're just you know turning them into slaves or if not harvesting their organs and this is not anything that we hear about constantly but this is uh, the worst part of what China's doing and Hong Kong is, is not even the worst of what they're doing so to me it's just it's a missed opportunity where corporations and, and really our capitalist systems can move towards a more moral and altruistic you know, perspective and, and you know, where we can really you know draw a line in the sand and say we will not do business or tolerate regimes that you know are authoritarian and you know, deny people basic human rights but at the same time that's the beauty about capitalism because if enough people speak up about it you have you literally have voting power with what your ability to choose and buy things and to buy tickets towards the NBA or support if there's enough outcry in a capitalistic society in a free market society you have the ability to make that change and that's the beauty of capitalism but I do wrestle with that question. I do think you raise a very important question, Jerry. When you ask, you know, capitalism has brought us so much good without a doubt. I don't think either one of us here would deny that. But at the same time, we have to ask ourselves, at what point is that profit motive incentivizing humans to act in the most immoral? I mean, this is just the one example clearly of the MBA acting in their own self-interest in the most immoral way possible. And yeah, I guess, you know, you're right that this is, you know, a, a, a bad consequence of capitalism, but there's a, there's a corrective mechanism inherently inside of capitalism that if enough people speak up about, uh, speak up about it, if enough people, if the outcry is loud enough, then change is possible and that's why you know capitalism it's far from perfect but it's in my opinion probably the best system we have today because it allows for change it allows if enough humans speak up if enough humans you know vote with their pockets or you know just speak up speak up about it in general because because like we said you know profit 
bad press makes for bad profits and and if, if enough people provide enough pressure on these companies to act moral then change is possible so i do think you you raise a very important question as to the the ridiculous the ridiculous you know examples of how that profit motive can drive companies to act in the most immoral blatant blatantly immoral ways possible but at the same time the beauty about capitalism is that like i said if enough people speak up up about it you have the power we have the power to make that change and yeah that's that's basically what what i feel about it do you think there's such thing as ethical capitalism? Yeah, I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, it, it just ultimately depends on how you define ethical capitalism. I think capitalism in itself is amoral. I don't think, I mean, capitalism is a, you know, an, I guess you could say, an, you know, an amorphous, con I mean, there is a, you know, strict definition, but I don't think capitalism is, you know, it's either moral or immoral. I think you have to, or, or you know, just to be more specific, what, what do you mean by ethical capitalism? <clears throat> it's kind of, I think, along the lines of what we've been talking about, but a lot of people argue that essentially capitalism is immoral in the aspect of, you know, a lot of people, like you said, make their bottom line or make their bottom dollar off of sweatshops or they'll make their bottom dollar off of essentially the sweat of somebody that they're paying minimum wage that's struggling to essentially make ends meet at a job that you know they work 40 50 hours a week and you know big ceos are making you know 200 300 million dollar bonus checks things of that nature so a lot of people argue that there is no such thing as ethical capitalism because there is always those people that are going to have you know but i do, i mean just to go off of what you just said, I do think there is a good argument to be made that there's a reason why in a meritocratic society, the minimum wage workers get paid what they get paid and the CEOs get paid what they get paid because there is clear examples of CEOs that work their ass off and that every morning they're up at 4 a.m. and they're making conference calls and busting their ass and they work themselves up that meritocratic ladder to become a ceo and if you're working a minimum wage job you know out of being a clerk at i don't know mcdonald's or something there's a reason why you're getting paid minimum wage and i do think that's just the reality of the world that we live in and the the world is not i mean it's it's just I do think that there's justice to that in a sense, but I do see the argument that, you know, equality is, is, is that what we want? Equality of outcome for everybody? I don't, I don't think so. And, and yeah, just based off of what you said, I do think there's plenty of good reasons as to why CEOs get paid millions and millions of dollars more. Their, their productivity and their, their worth to the company is, that much more than a minimum wage worker and that's just honestly the sad reality of of the world we live in but i haven't been convinced of of an argument otherwise and i don't disagree with you i'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here but um what about as far as like 
I guess we've kind of touched upon that as we wish that more companies would be more moral as opposed to not actually having sweatshops and things of that nature. And yeah, I mean, sweatshops is, is you know, a good point, but I, I, in, in something more, you know, local, mo- more first world probably, I, I can I can point to just so many examples of companies that go out of their way to to, you know, all they literally care about is that bottom line. And there's just it. It. It, it messes with their product so you see you know youtube every five minutes you're getting an ad when you're watching a video and it's not it's now it's it's like it used to be like okay at the beginning of the video you're gonna get an ad like all right that's you know it's not so bad but now it's gotten to the point where like literally like you're in between each video and there's just like 10 different ads stuck in between each video playing and then at the end of the video they have another ad and it's just like at what point do we say like okay like this is clearly messing with the product but at the same time i say this recognizing that there should be a corrective mechanism and that is the beauty about capitalism where it, it can be corrected where there can be another company that pops up and you know negates that and says okay well we're not going to have all these stupid ads every five seconds on the video that you're just trying to watch but it just becomes that much harder when these corporations become so massive and and you know the lines become become blurred where you start saying well you know these monopolies are basically taking over so so yeah but but yeah i mean that's just that's, that would be my critique of capitalism when it's just the incentive to make that profit to grow your bottom line that much more affects the cons- the consumers to the point where it's just it becomes so ridiculous like honestly at this point like youtube with their stupid like i don't know if you guys have noticed it but i feel like they've just gotten worse and it should be getting better with something like uber like i feel like their prices have gone up instead of generally prices should go down for the consumer in a normally functioning capitalistic society so so yeah and i don't want to i don't want to lose the point too much but um this kind of ties in with technology and what we've been talking about with china one of the great things that capitalism has done for us is technology and it has brought us closer together and jameson one of the points that you brought up uh, that you wanted to touch upon that I thought would be you know, really interesting is, you know, and this also ties into what um, I guess Facebook's starting off point was that we're going to be more connected. And, you know, that connectivity has come with its consequences. And I don't think that we, it's going to be a while before we realize the consequences of how much that connectivity has has played a role in our society um so i kind of just want to get your guys's perspective on that what do you think you know speaking about capitalism speaking about china which it ties into because we're all aware of that democratic movement in hong kong and that's mostly thanks to twitter and there's been revolutions that have happened in egypt you know in large part thanks to facebook and so that technology that connectivity has played a role in our society so you know what do you guys think of that how do you what do you see has technology brought us closer together or has it sparked a movement where we're further apart because it seems like you can make the argument for both are we more divided or are we more together um 
<clears throat> I'd argue that we are more together. Um, I can go literally anywhere in the world at this point, and I can still, I can talk to you, I can talk to Kelly, I can talk to Ozzy, and explain to them, you know, what I'm experiencing at that particular moment. You know, I could be, I could be in Hawaii and be, and you know, FaceTime, you know, somebody and just be like, you know, check out this gorgeous beach that I'm on. This is amazing. I can, you know, I can talk to them. I can explain that. But at the same time, I think it's also brought us together in the fact that, you know, I've, I've built friendships with people that I never would have met without technology. Um, you know, I have friends that I play video games with online that are some of my great friends that I talk to on a regular basis. And, you know, we are very close, and yet we still have never met each other because we live thousands of miles apart, but yet, you know, we have a very good friendship because of technology. Um, you know, I feel like I can, you know, talk to any of my closest friends, like I can talk to you, I could talk to Willie, anything like that, at the drop of a hat, which is really nice. You know, something bad happens to me, I can reach out and I can be like hey you guys i need help because of x y and z or if i get in a car accident or something like that and you know i can tell my mom and dad right away so that way you know they're they're able to you know come to the hospital or do whatever so i feel like it does bring us closer in a much more unique fashion that wasn't even available 20 30 years ago you know 20 30 years ago you know there was phones around and stuff like that and answering machines but you could be out and about and something could happen to you know bob smith down the road and you know, you're his emergency contact, and they have no way of contacting you for hours because you're at work or you're grocery shopping or you're at a movie or something like that. So I think it definitely has brought us closer together, but it has turned into a bit of an addiction for a lot of people. And, I mean, you're constantly reading about people getting in car accidents because they're texting or tweeting or something like that while they're driving, and I'm, I'm guilty of it. I mean, I've sent texts while I'm driving as well, and... and you know, just because I feel like I need it to respond to something. But no, people I feel like are starting to definitely get more and more addicted to it, which is, I think, the downside of technology is that we're becoming more and more dependent upon it. So, yeah, just just to go off of that, Jared, I mean, uh, I think the question, objectively speaking, we've clearly, clearly, it's helped us become more connected to every. I mean, it's just without a doubt, there's no question at any drop of the or at any moment, I can literally call any human on the other side of the world and be instantly connected to them. So in that regard, clearly we're more connected, but it it does it has had some very clear unintended consequences where the Internet or just these, you know, these systems have allowed for 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 more bias and more polarization because if you go online you can just connect with the people you already agree with and our brains are already primed to you know go with humans we already agree with we're already primed to read news that we already agree with and this causes clusters of of you know groups to stick to each other and and yeah in that regard it's causing us to be more polarized because in a sense we are more connected to the humans that we already agree with but it causes it causes us to be more disconnected to the humans that we don't agree with so in one regard it's clear that you know we have gotten more connected 
but at the same time the you know the unintended consequences have led us to be more polarized and i think that's just without a doubt that right now we live in probably i would say arguably the most polarized time since since the 1960s i don't think it's anywhere near as bad as it was in the 1960s but i don't think you can point to any time period within that time span where it's been as polarized as it is now i would agree with that actually i mean i i think people definitely have used the internet to put themselves in different little echo chambers um with you know people that they believe i think a perfect example of that is a flat earth society you look at people that you know essentially form chat rooms or blogs or websites dedicated completely to believing in the flat earth and they've created their own little little microculture there that you know they all believe that you know the earth is flat and yet you know they're all in their own little echo chamber just talking about different ways why they believe it is and you know it's a growing community that people feel like they can be belong that they can belong in but you know they probably never would have been able to connect with each other on the flip side if it wasn't for something like the internet so it's, it's yeah they, they wouldn't have been able to connect with each other but i feel like what helped them grow in the first place was the internet you know this Agreed, the the sure. ability to you know I don't think it would have spread as much flat earth would have spread as much as it has without it, without the internet and yeah, without that, these, that argument yeah. could be same made for a lot of different things. You know, people talk about white supremacy is on the rise and I think the internet is probably in a good, a good argument for that reason as well. I just, I hate, I, I would agree with what you guys are saying. I just, one thing to interject here, I hate when people make the argument that this is the most divisive moment ever in, u.s history like i always love pointing back to when people actually shot each other in congress and would fight yeah if people pay ever like 140 years ago or something yeah like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we're literally shooting each other and fighting yeah. each other in congress like yeah. the, the nebraska kansas act caused like little literal fights and like you would draw guns and inside of the congress like it was just the wild ball of the west people don't know what they're talking about when they say things like that but like i said i don't know if you would argue with this the fact that we live in the most polarized time since the 1960s yeah i think we live in the most isolated times like i forget what twitter study i read or somebody on twitter mentioned they were like um people on the left have a tendency to not follow people on the right and people on the right have a tendency to follow people on the left so i think we just it's it we live like you said we we tend to go towards people that we agree with and we do a very bad job especially if you're not aware of it of following people that we we disagree with so a lot of people follow the same groups that they're like-minded and facebook is obviously the cause of that because it's like oh you like this group how about you join these other groups and twitter's the same thing it's like oh you like these people how about you follow these similar-minded people so it's kind of a, a you know, positive feedback loop where it just keeps reinforcing the same things that you like. And, you, and you'll and you notice it too in your cookies. Like you, you click on something and then it'll advertise it to you. And it's the same model, right? It's like you like something, you have certain habits, certain stories that you read, certain political leanings that you have. And it's just going to reinforce that with everything that you do online. So I do think that we are more isolated from the rest of the world. We We have a tendency to not 
it, it takes a very you know disciplined person to to actually seek out you know dissenting opinions right you we have a, we have a tendency to just reinforce the opinion that we already have and and that's what i think technology has done technology just reinforces the opinion that we have we we seek out the same groups we seek out like-minded people and that's why we have podcasts like this to find people that we disagree with to talk to you know differing opinions and and that's what podcasts have been so great but yeah ultimately podcasts are just a, a tiny percentage it's like probably like 0.01 percent of the population that listens to podcasts it's like most people are just reinforcing the opinions that they already have have you uh seen that most recent um thing from ellen degeneres where she uh yeah yeah she's talking about uh, the picture of her with george yeah yeah it's just unbelievable to see the the response from the far left and it's literally like you're talking about half of the population voted for George of the u.s population voted for george bush twice are are we not allowed to be friendly to to be cordial to be uh, i mean can we not get along with the people you disagree with the most and this is like what like jerry that first study that you brought up right now when you were talking about the left doesn't follow follow conservatives but conservatives follows the left i don't know how true that is but i that example that you just gave jameson right now is just indicates of 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 a clear example of the left and their crusade against intolerance being the most hypocritical hypocritically intolerant people imaginable i mean when you literally talk about a u.s president that yeah at, at his worst what was he? He was a dummy. He implemented a bunch of stupid policies. He, what, led us into the Iraq war. He led us into the Quad war. Yeah, okay, he wasn't the best president. But you see the response from the left. And it's just, it really just, just blows you away how you're not even allowed. You're literally not even allowed to be friendly to to 50% of the U.S. population. Like, how do we live in a world? How are we supposed to survive? How are we supposed to to continue to, to thrive or to, just to function in this society when you're going to just immediately blow off half of the population? I don't get it. Like, I really don't understand. And this is my biggest problem with the left. And this is my biggest problem with I mean, it's not just the left. Like, we need to be honest about this. Not just the left. Conservatives do this as well. But we need to move to a place where being wrong, is it's okay. It's okay to be wrong about things. Like George Bush, yeah, he was a dummy. Yeah, he implemented a bunch of stupid policies. Okay, you're allowed to be wrong. You're allowed to not have everything figured out in life is that is that so hard like how i i just i don't know it just it really just drives me up a wall and that that example that you just gave jameson is just a, a prime example of what you were talking about jerry of of just how liberals love to tout themselves as being the most tolerant people on planet earth they're literally willing to tolerate muslim theocrats and and just the most 
oppressive societies yet when it comes to what your just average christian what fundamentalist all right he believes in a creationist stupid worldview like what them now you're drawing the line and it's just it's just really just unexplainable it's just unimaginable it's whoever can be the most woke it seems like Yeah, it's just it's just double and and just to give them the the benefit of the doubt, you know, because that's what we're basically preaching right now. They're basically saying that okay, what at worst, what they're saying Trump was a I mean Trump, Bush was a war criminal who instituted torture, and he he led to the deaths of hundreds of thousands of Iraqis. I mean, you really have to. I mean. If if that was the actual reality, then all right, you know what? I guess you can say, yeah, we probably shouldn't be friendly to war criminals who love to torture and kill hundreds of thousands of human beings. But to act or to say that the Iraq war was anything close to that, that Bush is somehow responsible for Iran causing the insurgency in the Iraq war or that Bush was somehow responsible. We were literally attacked in 9-11 thousands of people died we were in a state of shock we were in a state of of complete disarray and we reacted the way humans react yeah waterboarding was probably not the best solution to our problems but to act like that was some complete moral abomination that bush shall never be forgiven for and he should spend his life in jail it's just it's so ridiculous it really is so and and that's the argument that you know i'll give them because some of them are making that argument that basically bush is a war criminal but at the same time that just that argument falls flat on its face so so yeah it's just it's really frustrating it's really frustrating especially from the liberals who who claim to be the most tolerant humans on planet earth so i wanted to tie this in uh, to another point that was raised about whether technology is making us freer or a more oppressed society. Yeah, I, I know it hasn't. Yeah. yeah, that it hasn't seeped into our legislation, but it's definitely seeped into our culture, um, where oppressiveness is is kind of pervasive. We we live in a society where we can't really say anything. I've noticed it in my job. Um, I'm honestly afraid if I ever reach a position of upper management or any position of, of any you know, sort of spotlight, I'm afraid that people are going to go through my tweets and essentially destroy my career. That's where we've gotten in our society. And that to me is an oppressive society. Even it's not podcast. written into the, yeah, even this podcast, like people can go back to, to pretty much all of our episodes, especially the last one that we did with Ozzy about race and literally just, I would get fired immediately and that is it's not it's not so much about legislation but it is an oppressive society and i think that technology unfortunately allows us to live in that society and and it ties into what the left and unfortunately you know the right was doing this a couple or a couple decades ago but especially right now the left where it's just it basically feels like a purge of 
of what the Soviet Union was doing years ago, where it's a hearsay and you can just denounce your fellow you know, communists and essentially get them killed. Now it's deplatforming. You you see comedians saying, you know, off the cuff remark, you know, like Andrew Yang, that guy who said, you know, that SNL joke and essentially his career was ruined. And there's countless examples of this. Now Ellen DeGeneres feels the need to, to apologize for what or give an explanation for what that she was with the president of the United States like George Bush is by no means a racist like I thought he was a pretty good president but this is the that kind of oppressive society that technology has unfortunately imposed upon us so um, Jameson what do, what do you kind of think of technology and the, the oppressiveness that we kind of live in now you know I never thought <clears throat> you bring up a really good point I never thought about the uh, the fact that Every tweet, every Facebook post, every everything you literally put out on the internet at this point, it's like one of those things that it can and will be used against you type thing. Um, and I never thought about actually how oppressive that is. That's actually, that's an amazing point because, I mean, there's been things that I was talking to a couple buddies the other day just like, you know, thinking we saw some 21 year olds out at the bar we were at and obviously you know they're 21 year olds being 21 year olds they're drinking they're being loud they're being dumb and i was thinking i was like man i don't think we were that stupid when we were that young and the truth be truth be told yeah we were pretty stupid when we were 21 22 and we did some stupid stuff and if you ever go through your facebook feed you know you you'll see like memories pop up and you're like oh man that was a dumb thing to post just because you thought you were being sarcastic and funny but nowadays, you know, you're like, shoot, people probably would look at that and be super offended by it. Or they would try to use that as, you know, cannon fodder. And Kevin Hart's a perfect example. He made some comments 10 years ago or something like that. And he's now wasn't able to host the Oscars until he made, like, public apologies or things like that about it. Um, so that's a really good point about it actually being super oppressive. I was thinking more along the lines of, like, we didn't realize that everything that we're we're making to an extent can be oppressive as well like cell phones they're super handy they're super convenient they're you know everybody that you know has a smartphone yet at the end of the day you know they can be used to listen to you they can be used to um, track your location things of that nature you know you get one of those echo dots or uh, you know just echoes from Amazon for a long time they admitted that they're recording everything that you're saying and that they can be used in essentially a court against you. Like, there was a case, I believe, not too long ago where there was a, a man that I think he, like, killed his wife, and the Amazon Echo recorded the whole thing, and they played it in a court of law. And sure, you know, that particular situation, it's great that that was there because, you know, they were able to convict this gentleman of killing his wife. But at the same time, you know, it's like, well, they're listening to every little thing I say. Why do they need to know? And they're saying it's, well, we're using it to essentially, you know, offer you better solutions for, you know, different products that you might need coming forward, that whole capitalist part thing. Wait, but, was was this an actual case? Yeah. They, like, Echo was actually hearing, like, Echo actually listens to every conversation? I don't know. Dude, if your it, phone will listen to everything you say. Yeah, I, there's phone. literally me and Kelly... I've been talking about this. We'll literally be talking about something and not. Yeah. Put it in our no, phones. that's happened to me too. But has it yeah. has like have they come out and just said straight up that yeah we're listening to everything you're saying? Uh, the Amazon with Echo a while ago. I they, I want to say this was maybe, 
a year and a half ago? Somewhere in that ballpark? But, 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 but oh. send me this case because this has really blown my mind. Echo was with, I mean, obviously without permission. And they used this in court? This mm-hmm. was permissible? Yep, it was permissible in court. And, and this was in the U.S.? Yep. And this, I want to say this was like a year and a half ago. I'll see, I'll look it up and try to find it for you. But yeah. I, they, a lot of the consumers obviously got very upset when they found out that, um, you know, Amazon devices were listening and, you know, the Amazon had to change their policy and basically come out straight forward and say like, Hey, anything you say to Alexa, we're recording, we're keeping things like that. They had to come out and say, it's now whenever you say Alexa, that they're now listening to you, but it used to be like beforehand, they were able to listen to literally everything you said. And like I said, same with phones, things like that. So it's, it's definitely a more oppressive technology than people realize. And a lot of people are like, and this is where it comes into like, what freedoms are you willing to give up essentially to be feeling like you're in a more secure society? And, um, you know, you're now putting things like that into your home so that people can listen to you because you're just thinking to yourself, like, oh, I have nothing to hide. I'm, you know, I'm a law abiding citizen. They're just going to think that I'm very boring and don't get me wrong. I own an echo. I, I, I yeah. love it. I think it's great. And yeah, I'm one of those people. I'm like, I'm super, super boring. Like I do yeah. podcasts. I, I read books, <laughs> I, watch, I play video games. I mean, you know, right. I put all my thoughts on the internet as it is anyway, but yeah, you know, it's one of those things like what actual things are you willing to give up? And then you can also even look at China, which is the most essentially observed country in the world. Every corner you go around, there's like half a dozen cameras that are just reading people's face. Cause they have that, uh, that technology to essentially get like face reading technology so that way they can identify who people are. Yeah. So yeah, they I think, don't, I think, or go for it. Or just real quick. They don't even need like a thousand cameras. They have one camera, I think per city, but there was one crazy ass picture that they posted. It was 13 million pixels and it was from like i don't know i want to say like you know 32 story high building and you could literally zoom in down to like the most minuscule pixel like somebody's face you can recognize somebody's facial experience like imagine from the top of the empire state them taking a picture and you could you know look at a rat in the sewer like their shadow like it was an amazing amount of pixels and then yeah they do have facial recognition technology now but yeah yeah, the the funny thing about it is honestly i feel like you know going off of what you were saying jameson i think we can use china ironically as a a clear starting point as to when that you know surveillance state goes off the deep end you know okay you could talk about echo and you can talk about the problems that we have you know in our own society with surveillance but I think we can use China as that area where, all right, that's clearly a place where we don't want to be. We don't want to be in a, we don't want to live in a society where you're literally being monitored 24 hours a day, where they have grading points and like literally humans are, they're awarded points as to how well they function in society. And they're constantly being monitored at almost any given moment. You're not even allowed to, do what you want to do. You're not allowed to go on the internet and search what you want to search. Freedom is is being impeded 
And um, and yeah, so I, I feel like to to your question, Jameson, is is I think we can we can use China as a as a point of reference as to when we were going, you know, off the deep end. But even still, like when you were telling me about that Echo story, that that's that's a little scary. You know, do we really want to live in a society where corporations listen to every word we say? And you know, at the same time. You know, it's just something I'm more agnostic about because, you know, like you said, Jameson, I mean, I've, I live a fairly mundane life. I mean, I, like you said, I freaking like to listen to podcasts. <laughs> I, I play FIFA and I freaking smoke weed. You know, I'm not over here plotting the overthrow of the U.S. government. But, um, but at the same time, you know, it is a little scary knowing that these corporations are basically listening to, to every word you, you utter. But this, this ties into, again, corporate, where corporations' loyalties should lie, right? Should they lie with the moral end or basically their stakeholders and what, what they have and what they can sell it for? So we live pretty mundane lives. We don't, we're not plotting anything. But there are people that do live more political lives, right, that are involved in governments. And their information is unfortunately being collected by their cell phones, by their Alexas, by their Echoes. And now corporations have that information. And now corporations with that information can go to the highest bidder. If they're not, if if they don't have anything, you know, restricting them and saying, for example, let's say you have John Doe, he is a CIA operative, and Alexa has been recording him. See, Amazon has no. What is stopping Amazon from selling that information to Russia or whoever wants to buy it? Right. I'm just using the most kind of out there example, but what I mean is that corporations can collect your information, sell it to the highest bidder, and they are not obligated uh, by any moral stance to not sell your information. Right. So it's like. Yeah, we live pretty mundane lives, but other people don't, and their information is being collected, so their freedoms are essentially in the hands of corporations that have no obligation to morality. They just have an obligation to their revenue. So this is where it gets interesting. This is where it gets scary, right? It's like people that do have things to hide, people that you know have higher stakes. Their faith is or their fate is essentially in the hands of corporations, and where their loyalties lie with their revenue or with morality so do you think that these people then i'm i'm just interpreting what you're saying here do you believe that these people have the right to this different privacy if they're going to be very public figures at that point well yeah i mean i i think uh, well i'm just using that as as an example right it's like say there's a, a presidential candidate or somebody right it's like if your information is going to be collected kind of without your knowledge and these companies have your information uh they're just looking to sell that information to the highest bidder so we do live in essentially a more oppressive so not a more oppressive society but a society where you have to be careful with what you say and what you buy i, I think that you just hit the 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 key point, Jerry, is, is without your knowledge or with your knowledge. Because ultimately, I'm sure if you read in between the fine lines and you read the fine print, when Amazon sells you that Echo, 
it tells you straight up they're listening to everything you say and if and that's that's i feel like the clear distinction between governments and corporations because a corporation yeah it has a massive amount of power but ultimately you have the choice to not buy that product you have the choice to stay away from echo if it really bothers you that they're listening to everything you have to say and that's the key distinction i feel like and that's the key that's the key point that we need to move with is honesty and honesty within corporations or honesty within our own governments or just honesty in general if you know that a product that you're buying and you're okay with that then i feel like you should have the right to own that product and they should have the right to listen to whatever you want i mean ultimately like i was saying um we me and jameson and i'm sure jerry we live fairly mundane lives ultimately our you know our lives aren't going to change because amazon heard that we farted two seconds ago but you know there is people like you were saying jerry that you know their liability they live way more political or just you know more involved lives where they have a lot more to lose and so in that regard i do think that that's the difference between i mean to tie it back to what we were talking about with co capitalism versus communism ultimately a corporation only has as much power as its product begets it to have and when you compare that to a government where it's literally has the power of the of the gun and has the power of the military and you don't have a choice in the matter then um then i think that's when you get into real real problems but ultimately if if facebook or if amazon are operating in the sense where they're being honest about their intrusion into your privacy I don't have a problem with that. If people know that they're being spied on, if people know that they're being listened to, and ultimately, yeah, it kind of bothers them, but it really doesn't make a difference in their lives. I don't, I don't view a slippery slope scenario where we turn ourselves into a 1984 society. Where I do view that happening is in a government that's not honest about its dealings that's not honest about what it listens to who it's monitoring monitoring or you look at that fbi case the fbi with martin luther king and they're literally uh, they're talking about releasing these transcripts of martin luther king where they're going to release the fact that he was uh, a misogynist and he would sleep with a bunch of women and he was just apparently a total piece of shit I don't think these documents should be released because you're talking about the government illegally listening to the phone calls of a of a human being without his consent. That's where I think you you hit on the on the line or the yeah, the line in the sand where that's a problem. That's clearly a problem. But when you talk about things like Amazon or when you talk about things that, you know, you you kind of know what you're getting yourself into, and if you really care about it, and if you really read up on the product that you're buying, they'll tell you, then I think that that's way further down the line of us falling into a totalitarian, you know, 
you know, dystopian society. So I don't know. I don't know what you guys think of that. I want to plug our own podcast real quick, Jameson, before you respond. We did an episode on that. It's called the episode on Cointelpro. Uh, please take a listen. Yes, that was a good episode. <clears throat> uh, to respond to something you said, Ozzy, like, we become kind of a slave to our technology, though. So somebody that wants privacy, for example, and they aren't okay with Amazon or Verizon or whomever is, you know, listening, we've become essentially, like I said, slaves to our technology. So where, where do we kind of draw the line in that? Be like, the majority of the public is okay with maybe being listened to because you know they're very similar to us lead a very mundane life that they're very you know yada 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 but let's face it like we the way society functions today is we're we're slaves to the internet we're slaves to society most of our jobs are most of you know people way people make money these days the internet is involved in some aspect or another so i mean yeah we might be okay with giving up like, oh, yeah, we have a really boring life, but should we be okay with giving that up, I guess, even if we know what the the company is doing? Because at that point, it's just giving up an inch and letting people run a mile with it because we're going to let them start listening in our homes now. What else are we going to let them start doing at, at each and individual point? So it just, it's, or to talk about the politician you know giving up his privacy it's once again they're slaves to technology i mean they're obviously going to have to be making phone calls on the daily basis to you know their political advisors their you know uh, everybody that they know they're going to have to be talking to organizers all these different things so it's like you can't really seem to get away from it yeah yeah i get what you're saying but i feel like you're you're kind of making a slippery slope argument but at the same time like let's be clear we're not talking about corporations listening to our phone calls i mean i don't know about verizon i mean i know that you know edward snowden came out with them tracking the phone numbers but i don't think you know it's a it's illegal for a good reason for any corporation or any government entity to listen to to your phone calls in the united states as a u.s citizen you have that right and um and yeah i mean but i I do feel like you know even you would admit that you're using the the word slave kind of loosely and um yeah yeah very loosely but at the same time i feel like yeah i mean we we're never gonna find that happy you know, we're never going to live in that utopian society where everything's perfect and we have these technologies available to us and nobody's going to listen to anything that we say. And, you know, we just don't live in that perfect society. But I feel like given the the imperfect world that we live in, the fact that you have a choice in 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 what happens in whether you want people listening to what you say or not, or whether you care if Echo hears everything you utter, or whether you care if Verizon is listening to your phone calls, because I would care if Verizon was listening to my phone calls. And I feel like a lot of people, I feel like that would be a different line crossed in, in this world that we live in. So, um, so yeah, I just, I just think that, that yeah i mean ultimately i get your point that we are slaves to to well you know to use that that term broadly but um but yeah it's just you know as as you were saying we are slaves to the fact that you know we are gonna 
we're basically met with the choice of Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, or Sprint. You know, who do you want? Who do you want to to bow down to? But ultimately, you know, that choice and and you know the ability to choose. I think, you know, tying it back. It's funny we're tying it back to what we were talking about with China and capitalism. Ultimately, I think that that's the beauty, you know, of capitalism inherent to to the system that that you have the power to choose. You have the power to vote with with your wallet. And um and yeah, so that's where I would I would leave. I it. just I hate the fact that uh, everything I do on the internet is being monetized, and I'm not getting a cut of it. So <laughs> sometimes to screw over these corporations, I'll just look for something random, like ten thousand scented candles, or <laughs> I want to buy a surfboard. Yeah, just to fuck with <laughs> just their. Just to fuck with them. And I <laughs> make them like, oh, money. Today, <laughs> like, yeah. I, yeah, I yeah. searched for uh, fucking fuck? yeah. fish. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I really yeah. like some dead fish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For a bunch of oh wow. Like, oh boy. Yeah. Just, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of like Gary. Why do you have a bunch of dildos on your feet? Like, what's going don't on? you judge me? Yeah. <laughs> you don't know my life. Um, <laughs> I'll show them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jerry, are you okay with the fact of, like, I don't feel like you've had a res- chance to respond to some of the things that Ozzy and I have been talking to, but how do you feel about, like, those different individual things as far as, like, like I said, you know, allowing these different things into your home? Are you okay if as long as a company is more upfront about it? Um, do you feel like we are, like I said, very loosely slaves to our technology and that we essentially have come to this point in our society that seems like we can't function with the technology that we have today? Uh, without the technology we have today, excuse me. I mean, where do you where do you kind of stand on the spectrum? I think companies have been very surreptitious in how they behave about our information. I think that they ostensibly have said that they're here to connect the world, but really, I think probably by accident, they found out that our patterns online were very valuable to them. So they were... They, they might have, like I said, they were ostensibly just trying to connect us, but more surreptitiously, they were collecting our behaviors and our patterns, our clicking habits, and obviously this turned into valuable information for them. So that's ultimately what I'm, I'm mad about, is that I, th- I think we are you know, slaves to our technology. I, I don't think we can live without it. My job, for example, relies 100% on the internet. I can, I can live without an office. I can do my job without an office. I could, I could work from home, but I can't work without the internet. So I am 100% a slave to the internet, and 100% slave to you know, technology. And ultimately, yeah, I, I don't care that companies are collecting my information. I think that if you're going to use a product and you complain about it afterwards you should have read the fine print and none of us do that but i i do complain i do want to just i guess you know throw up a red flag or or draw a line in the sand or complain and say you know if a company is gonna ostensibly say that they're moral and just here to connect us you know you also have a responsibility to say that you're monetizing our behaviors you have a responsibility to tell you know be just be more upfront just 
don't lie. Don't say that you're here to be some kind of moral stalwart. Just say, we're collecting your information. We're seeing what you click on. We're seeing what you buy. And your information is valuable, so we're going to sell that information. And then don't backtrack. Don't bullshit people, right? Just be more upfront. Like, people don't really care that much. But, you know, when you, caught, when you get caught red-handed selling our information, selling our political behaviors, selling... You know, that information is valuable to a lot of people, right? This is why senses are, are very valuable. People want to know who you're going to vote for. People are targeted because of their voting behaviors. This affects democracies. This affects, you know, political outcomes. You know, don't bullshit people. And this is ultimately what the issue is, right? It's, it's that they've monetized, they've politicized all of our behaviors, and they've been able to sell that information, sometimes, unfortunately, to, you know, malicious actors like what we had in Russia. Um, and yeah, this is ultimately my, my, you know, my grudge with them is that they've, they've taken all our information, all of our data, and they haven't been upfront about what they're doing with it. <clears throat> all right. Last question I have about technology and I'll let you guys kind of chime in. Do you see the United States essentially becoming uh, a country like let's say China for example as far as being able to monitor their citizens via technology cameras GPS whatever and <clears throat> doing it all in the name of national security do you ever see the United States getting essentially that bad or do you think we're already there I think that the question as to if we're already there is just objectively false there's just uh, hoarders of magnitude le like levels of China is just orders of magnitude levels worse than us in terms of surveillance. And um, I think with the whole Edward Snowden situation, I think he brought that conversation back into to pur purview, uh, you know, a couple years ago or well, it was like six years ago now, but but I mean, even that, that was probably what the biggest scandal that we've had in terms of mass surveillance in the United States in, in recent memory. And, and what was, what was the worst that, that Edward Snowden revealed? What was the worst that, that he, did he, did he reveal that, that, you know, the government was surveilling every act that we had, that we did was, was, did he reveal that, that, that the government was, was monitoring what every internet search and and you know basically implementing censorship onto to any website we try to to view is that what he revealed no the the biggest thing he revealed was prism and 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 what what was prism prism was basically a mass database of who not 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 our phone calls not our actual transcri transcripts of our phone calls it was the phone numbers of people we called and people that we received calls from literally the phone numbers that that was the big the big shebang the big reveal of edward snowden so to your question of are we already there i think it's just objectively false can we get there one day I honestly, I don't think so, given given um, how far 
the United States is in terms of its consciousness, in terms of how how much we value freedom and how much we value being left alone. And um and yeah, I just I just think we're so far removed from that reality, especially from the government. Maybe corporations and and like I said what we were talking about earlier, the worst a corporation can do is as much as its customers allow it. And so ultimately that's the beauty of a democracy, that's the beauty of a, of a capitalistic society. You have the choice to turn off your television. You have a choice to turn off the echo. You have a choice to throw the echo in the trash. You have a choice to switch your laptop. And that's a value and that's a freedom that a lot of countries don't have. So so yeah, I mean as long as we stick to our principles, I don't I don't see it happening. So I don't know, Jerry, what, what do you think? I would uh, almost totally disagree on your assessment of the, of the magnitude of PRISM. Here's why. In my job, any data point that I get on my customers is valuable. Um, you can build an entire profile of somebody solely based on who they call, how long they've talked to them, and this information is very valuable. And the fact that the government, the U.S. government, was building profiles on people and essentially figuring out who they are. You can, you can tell who a person is from one data point, right? It, with almost, I can, I can probably bet, right, that with 90% certainty, right, if I just had one data point about you, I can probably build an, a whole profile, right? If I, if I knew your position on guns, for example, or abortion, I can almost bet and win money on the fact that I know who you are. And now the U.S. government has insight into who you're calling, how long you're spending on the phone with them, so on and so forth, right? This is what the U.S. government Okay, but, but can you, but, just just before you go, can, can you make that distinction as to we're talking about different planets of surveillance when you're talking about numbers, yeah. phone numbers versus actual hearing of phone calls versus actual monitoring of human beings versus oh who did i call today right but okay so that's that's we're talking about different right yeah the orders of magnitude are different china's surveillance is very in debt they're listening to your okay. phone calls they are on a one to ten scale where would you where would you grade the the prison program in terms of it's a drac- draconian rule or or censorship authoritarian rule on society and i don't i don't think we know quite yet right now i'd put it at a six uh it takes a lot of time for essentially the fallout and it takes a lot of investigative journalism to understand the extent of the u.s government so for example right now one of my favorite topics is intelligence and counterintelligence right so figuring out cold war tactics as to you know who were spies, who were moles, how intelligence was used against personnel, right? Right now, it's going to take years before we actually understand the fallout of the prison program, right? Because to say that the U.S. government is not going to behave maliciously against whoever's in power in in the U.S. government is going to use information, you know, essentially to subdue or, or against their opponent, right? We figured this out 
Hillary Clinton, you know, essentially tried to run an investigation, and so did the Republican Party, tried to run an investigation on Trump, and right, we, we saw the scandal from that, right? So to say that the prison program wasn't used maliciously is, I think, a little bit naive. You can build... Do you have any program. examples of, of the of the prison program being maliciously... I mean, I'm sure it was used maliciously. I'm not pro the prison program. And I, I do think there is examples of, of, like, employees that were part of the prison program, you know, abusing that 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 program. But I just... My only point, and, and sorry to cut you off, is just, just to show how... One to the question of, of what Jameson was saying is as to what were we already there in, in terms of the, the level of surveillance with China. But at the same time, it's just I don't know if I'm so convinced, Jerry, or I don't know, Jameson, if you want to chime in. It's just how bad is it really that the government knows what's who bad? We call. It's bad in the sense because they can immediately build a profile on you like, and immediately. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see but, that. And just building profiles in general is not building good. profiles. And then also, I don't have a direct example of the prison program, but I I do know that if you look at the history of the United States, you look at how intelligence is being used. It hasn't always been used for the most altruistic causes. So to say that that our behavior has changed now all of a sudden and it hasn't been used for political motive is I think naive. I think it's gonna take years of investigative journalism to bring to light how the prison program is used against political opponents and you know people of other countries. So I don't have a, a direct answer. I don't no, think- What do you mean, the people of other countries, we listening to other calls from people of other countries all the time. We're talking about the US citizens, right? Because we know that, I mean, we tried, if you're not part of this country, if you're not a US citizen, you don't, basically have any rights in under the u.s constitution so i think you're you're talking about yeah and i uh, mean it could be but i mean just an overarching point not to get too into it but i think overall uh i don't think we're obviously as bad as china i'm not trying to equate the two or by any means say that we're in a totalitarian state but i think that with any bit of information any bit of insight that you have into somebody you can build a profile on them, and the U.S. government has a history of using information against political opponents, right? Whoever's in power or whoever has access to that information uses it for you know their own benefit and against its political opponents. So I think that, no, we're not obviously anywhere near the totalitarian status of China, but I think that to use information and to gather information, especially especially for corporations. Again, we, we tie this into for corporations to either sell or give up that information against probably the public knowledge. You know, should it, it should have been debated, it should have been brought up, it should have at least been asked of, of you know the people that subscribe to your to your uh, product, right? If, if I brought, if I bought Verizon and I, I, I have a private line, I didn't expect that information to then, you know, make its way into the U.S. government, right? So that's essentially my my objection is I don't. Obviously, we're not as bad as China, but it obviously shouldn't have made its way into the U.S. government because 
who knows how that information was used. Not Obviously not against me, but against other people. Other people that had things to lose. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I just don't. I just view that line being, or that, that mountain to climb to, to abuse being way harder to climb when you're talking about phone numbers versus actual recordings of phone calls versus actual moderating of every conversation you have versus, you know, countless of other abuses that plenty of other governments, I'm sure, do. But at the same time, you know, I'm fully, I'm, you know, I'm basically a classical liberal, as I first brought up, a libertarian, you know, I have many tendencies towards that way. So just in general, I do feel that the government expanding or government bureaucracies having the power to monitor you and to build a profile on you is just generally bad so i would agree with you generally but at the same time i just i think that we need to make it clear that we're talking about different levels different completely different levels of surveillance versus you know real life you know blatant abuses of of just the most overt you know totalitarian abuses of power from governments like china or, or russia yeah yeah i would agree um jameson any any final thoughts <clears throat> i mean i agree a lot with what you were saying jerry um you know i worked in technology for a while i know that you know any little data point that they that you can get you can build a very accurate profile off of and and i'm maybe just very mistrusting and i feel like i don't know i feel like ever since the patriot act the government has just taken that and they've run a long way with it and that they have used that and to essentially spy on their citizens a lot just in the name of national security so that's why i'm not a hundred percent um I'm not a hundred percent, I guess, on board with, you know, public surveillance, uh, government getting any type of information or anything like that on us. Um, I mean, I understand that they're, like I said, they're, they've stopped a lot of different terrorist acts over the years and stuff like that. And for that, I'm grateful, but, um, and, and I don't think we are, uh, close at all to like the surveillance that China is, or even, even places in Europe that have pretty extreme surveillance. Like I think London has the most um, street cameras than any other city in the world. And, you know, they're constantly <clears throat> monitoring their citizens as far as just what they're doing on their day-to-day -day stuff here in the streets. Um, of course, they, lately they've had a lot of terrorist attacks as well. So they've been doing it in the name of national security. Um, my biggest concern, like I said, mostly with this technology is just giving up little bits little bits and little bits at a time in the name of national security so that eventually it's a very oppressive system i don't i don't foresee probably in my lifetime that will ever be as bad as china is now but i wouldn't rule it out um so that's kind of where i stand with things well yeah uh i think we could go on for another couple hours but uh yeah i think uh we've covered a lot of topics it's probably getting late for all of us here um any final thoughts from either of you um 
Ozzy, do you want to publicly apologize for your white supremacy? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just going to go uh, flog myself outside and um, apologize for for my views on on race. And, and uh, I'm just deeply sorry that that I view the, the lesser crowd, the lesser <laughs> inferior to, to my superior kind of, of, you know, complexity and, you know, just the way my skin looks, it just makes me automatically better than so many other people. <laughs> All right. Well, phenotypically, I'm just far superior in yeah. terms of white. You guys have seen that Dave Chappelle skit where he's a uh, yeah. KKK guy and he's like, "What power?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I'm like Mexican, but my skin is well. And you know, in some areas I'm kind of brown, but in some areas I'm pretty freaking white. So I've just I'm like. Growing up, I was always just racially confused. I was a biracial human. And, um, yeah, that caused me to be a full-on white supremacist. And well, I'm really tri-racial, so check your privilege, bro. <laughs> uh, I'm basically a, a racial transvestite. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very indecisive of my racial position in, in life. Sometimes I'm, I'm brown, sometimes I'm white. Yeah. There's no mistaking my Scottish heritage with me. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. I wish I was just a pure blood like like Jameson or or Kelly. Yeah, Kelly's a ginger snap, so. Yeah. <laughs> She's the Lord. Yeah. That was a great talk uh, and racial superiority. I love. Let's let's do this again, guys. Yeah. Sounds sure. good. All, All right, right everybody. Well, we're gonna check off. Thanks for being offended with us, as always. And uh, see you and good night. Yeah. Night, boy. night, boys. See ya. Bye. Later. See ya.